1: Kanoa, Canute. <laughs> How are you going to come up with any K-nute. more versions of it's my like name? It's like Well, I mean, it's like day 7,000 of the panic. Exactly. The, uh, I've run out of things to say to you, Canute. That's okay. I just think we should just. It's drink. like that in every marriage. We should start just smoking cigarettes and just drinking whiskey. I think you and I should just have a I'll be up for the podcast. whiskey part. All we do is eat, order in. We have our, my favorite restaurant in the city right next door to my house, which is fantastic isn't it that is and, they, and he's such a great tarbell he's such a great restaurateur and helping his employees and he's got the restaurant running at like full speed like gloves there's more cars pulled in front of that place like he's just running like a five-star restaurant uh takeout it is a great place um so it is uh march 27th i think we might have started doing this series uh march 13th or the 11th, I think. Oh, the 11th. So we are now... It's over two weeks of panic with friends. And the response, I got to tell you, 99% love. What's the 1%? Who are they? I could be my father. <laughs> it's always this cryptic thing where it's like from a Hotmail account. It just 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 ravages me. Oh, well. Um. All right. Today, uh, I want to talk about volatility because I think we... The VIX is still above 60. It means nothing to most people, but it means a lot to me because I, you know, I've know, i seen spikes over 50. Uh, in 2008, obviously, uh, the VIX was elevated for a little bit of time, but this has been the wild. I think this is the wildest market in history of the last week. And uh, today, for example, I've done nothing. You know, I was very active on Monday and last Thursday, Friday, and then, you know, to be able to pull out. And so I wanted to talk to an expert about volatility. He created these ETNs that uh, people trade all day at Barclays. When he was at Barclays, his name's Greg King, and now he's got a new company called Shares, which is creating some really interesting leveraged products. Uh, I'm mostly anti-leverage as a person other than social leverage, but uh, Greg from the inside has created all these things and is going to explain it for us. So um, we'll call him, but first pay it off. I'm going to do, they sent me a jingle. Well, it's not a jingle. It's a serious read from a serious company. Uh, Bobby's locked down in, in Brooklyn, so we're praying for him. Uh, I don't pray, but we're praying for him. I'm just sending good tweets his way. The, uh, he's locked down with his young kid, can't get tested. Brooklyn's like center of the, uh, Brooklyn's like Italy of America right now. Numbers are, are through the roof in, in New York. So we're thinking of all our founders there. And Bobby who's hunkered down in Brooklyn uh, sent me this message for pay it off. Pay it off is a venture backed team. Obviously social leverage is an investor building the next generation of B2B repayment solutions for student debt. They've built the first federal debt API that helps any FinTech or financial institution address student loans within their financial services product. The average borrower saves $3,000 per year from their personalized assessment and enrollment functionality. These tools are especially helpful during the COVID-19 situation, as millions of borrowers are losing part of their income or their jobs entirely. Companies using their API can provide immediate relief by enrolling them in income-driven repayment plans and forgiveness options. That's payitoff.io, P-A-Y-I-T-O-F-F.io. Let's get Greg on the phone.
0: Hello? Greg King. Howard, how are you, bud? What is
1: happening? Where are you today?
0: Man, I am uh, stuck inside the house.
1: Of course, but which house?
0: Connecticut. 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 Yeah.
1: House prices are what, down 70% with Trump taxes? What are they (laughs)
0: doing? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know, man. We we shall see.
1: We shall see. You're not Uh, a seller.
0: No, not at the moment. Not at the moment. I'm not really a buyer either, though. I'm just a... uh, an occupant, I guess.
1: You're uh, hunkered down there in Connecticut. How many kids?
0: Hunkered down. Three. 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 Three teenage. Well, my daughter's twelve, but she might as well be a teenager.
1: Yeah. How's I'm the homeschooling? 14 and 16. Any bloodshed?
0: You know, there. It, it, it's not too bad. Not too bad, actually. It's a big they, house. I think they've gotten. You know, my wife's got them going on it, and it's 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 working. They're not killing each other yet, so hopefully it stays that way. So, Greg, you know, let's... I, um, oh,
1: sorry. Go ahead. I'm
0: not. Um, we're, we haven't started it, right? Oh,
1: yeah. We've started, um, baby. There's no okay. practice. <laughs>
0: There's no you say tra- something
1: okay. really inappropriate. Canute over well, here. Gonna, my producer will edit it.
0: He'll, he'll, Maybe. He'll,
1: Maybe. It's a podcast. Gonna, you don't have to worry. Hey,
0: Canute. Hey, no, I know. Are. I know. I was just going to say, I, um, I'm i doing well. Thanks.
1: We'll put on some pants. Like, if that makes you I, a little I'll, more comfortable. I'll
0: put my pants on. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I heard... I saw that you had uh, Ben... Hunt on from Epsilon Theory.
1: Oh my God, he's great. A yeah,
0: little He's great, and turns out he and he lives just down the road from me, probably less than a couple miles.
1: Have you been? Do you know each um, other? I'll introduce you.
0: We met a couple. We met a couple times, yeah, and uh, found out we were neighbors, but uh, we haven't met up socially. It's, that was back when he was in a previous life. Um,
1: well, yeah, that, that's fun. One of my favorite writers. The so we met. Yeah, we met through your partner. The, uh, I think we have uh, one of the most interesting, uh, what a time for volatility. And mm-hmm. so my audience, what a great time for panic with friends to have you on to talk about volatility, the history of it, what's going on right now, the products, uh, you built a lot of the products that people trade on stock twits and around the world at Barclays, I think. So give a little background, uh, take the stage, talk about what you're doing now, and then let's go back in history and talk about panics.
0: Sure. Sure. So, um, yeah we uh, just jump right in at the at the vix entry point Great. um so my company now is called RexShares, shares but i got started in in etfs and exchange-traded products when i was at barclays about 15 years ago and uh we created a suite of products called ipath etns exchange-traded notes um but i came into it sort of through the back door in the sense that i'm a sell-side guy so i spent a lot of time uh doing uh, structured products in equity derivatives uh, previous to this. Um, so kind of a derivatives guy. And our sister company at the time, with iShares, was, was and basically still is the largest ETF manager in the world. And they were having difficulty putting some of the more esoteric asset classes into uh, an ETF wrapper, so specifically commodities, hmm. uh, VIX, anything to do with futures is, is kind of difficult. Yeah. Um, so we came along and, and basically created a new structure, but the, but the one that people you're like the uh, guys
1: who put sugar in cereal. It's like you know what cereal's good, but let's just put a <laughs> lot of sugar in it and rot people's teeth. But no problem. I, I don't yeah. hold grudges. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Right. My kids love those cereals. Man, Are you yeah. kidding? Yeah, Dad, yeah, look at um, one tooth. <laughs> hey from the uh, a little dentistry catch. It's touch. not gonna be all friendly and
1: kissy poo here. Great. No, no, I'm hey, just hey just I, I
0: know who you are. Yeah. Um so the the thing is people were asking for it. And and you know what, you you see why sure were because,
1: oh, because my of Jesus. VIX yeah
0: I mean the thing is with, with VIX specifically, like everyone always talks about markets tank correlations go to one. Well, not with VIX. I know. Like, that thing goes the other way. Correlation goes to negative one. Right? Yeah. Um, so now you've created a product that, that really like, wanting. allows
1: people to time correlation, like, to hedge correlation of one.
0: Yes, yeah, sort of. I mean, it's not perfect, but it, it yeah. is at least directionally what people are looking for in, in those times of crisis. So we put out uh, VXX, I think it was in
1: yeah, 2009. Thanks. Thanks. I, I, yeah, thanks. 2017, wrecked my year. But thanks for that.
0: <laughs> 2017. It was 15, oh man,
1: 17, 18. It was to that. Anyway, yeah. I'm kidding you. Keep yeah. going. Keep going.
0: No, I think I think the one you didn't like was XIV. XIV. Wasn't yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. A,
0: that's another one we did. Yeah. But uh, that that goes the yeah. other way. Except and I'm sorry that, about
1: the rat poison. That, I liked your dog, but it was just a trade off. <laughs> no,
0: I was tired <laughs> of him, anyways. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, so, I
1: interrupted you. I'm sorry.
0: No, no, uh, that's all right. Um, so, you know, through, in, my, in my travels, I, I've done, you know, a lot more than just VIX, but those are the ones that people tend to remember and want to talk about. I know, but and it's pretty we'll genius. You
1: guys sat around from the sales side and came up with a product that you knew. I mean, it's no different than Procter & Gamble. You came up with a product that people love.
0: Well, the, the difficult thing about VIX is it's not really a thing. It's like a number. It's a mathematical yeah. number that, uh, you know, can you explain it from- to people?
1: Can you explain the mathematical number or no?
0: Um, I, I can, the I mean, the higher it goes, really-
1: the more the world, the yeah. <laughs> more, the more the volatility is like what's to explain it to a basic, like my wife who listens.
0: Sure. Well, so it, it all comes from options and options are, are a, um, uh, security that's difficult to price because they only have Upside, they they have upside in one direction, right? When you mm-hmm. buy an option, you pay a fixed amount, you pay a premium, mm-hmm. and then you know the worst case scenario is you lose that premium. Yeah. Uh, the best case scenario is the thing goes the direction you want. So if you think about that logically, then you then you think, well, stuff that bounces around more probably has a higher chance of paying off big, right? And so that bouncing around is mathematically measured measured as volatility. Mm-hmm. Um, so options traders and, and options prices um, are, are comprised of a number of different inputs, but one is basically your estimate of, of future volatility or the volatility over the period of time you're looking at. And so what, um, what they've done with VIX, uh, I think it started in the early 90s, is they took a strip of uh, S&P 500 Thirty-day options and kind of backed out the implied volatility uh, that those options are are expressing as a function of their prices, and saying, "Hey, if this thing trades at X price, that's meaning that the market thinks the volatility is going to be thirty mm-hmm. percent." Um, and then that number is VIX, and you see it on TV every day, and and people people uh, you know refer to it as the fear gauge. Um, but it moves around as soon as options prices move, and guess what? Options prices move continuously. And so that thing is, is moving all around. And the only way to actu- accurately replicate it is with a very expensive portfolio of options that you have to basically fine tune every time the market moves, which is, which is insane. So it's not really possible. So what then happened was someone created a VIX futures contract, which essentially is an instrument that that's manageable. You can, you can buy that or take a position in that future um, and it's, it's relatively static. You don't have to manage a portfolio of options, but then you have a little bit of, of noise, let's call it. It doesn't really track VIX perfectly, and that's because it's a futures contract, and it's saying, hey, in the future, VIX will be this. I know today it's that, but you know, at the end of the month, it'll be this. So you've got this kind of wiggle that happens in between the VIX number and the VIX futures number. So anyway, all that to say, when we went to create an instrument uh, like an exchange-traded note, we couldn't base it off of VIX. We had to base it off of something that was replicable, something a portfolio manager could use to hedge that instrument. And so we based it on VIX futures. And that's what all the instruments really use as far as uh, ETFs and ETNs.
1: It's pretty genius. So in a Rekshare, let's talk about what you're doing now at Rekshare. Go back to uh, Barclays, but...
0: Yeah, yeah. So that was that was um, the first thing we did back in the mid 2000s. And uh, now with RexShares we have a partnership with Bank of Montreal. We do uh, a number of products with them. Again, really, the because of my background, um, our focus is on products that are designed for traders. I think that's how how we got to know each other through StockTwits, you know, obviously a big trading community. So we have a number of leveraged and inverse products, or probably the most popular one has to do with FANG stocks, where you mm-hmm. get uh, triple up or triple down, um, FANG-related exposure. Um, and that's been, it's genius. What's know, the ticker for...
1: symbol of that? It's popular on Star-tose.
0: Um These are, I think you have to say the tickers. I don't think I'm allowed to. Oh. Right. Uh, but <laughs> <okay. Yeah. laughs> I'll put
1: but them in fine. my blog post, but yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but they're out there; people can find them. Um, but the, you know, and and again, that comes from demand. I mean, you have got Jim Cramer coining Fang a while back, mm-hmm. and nobody, you know, nobody put together a Fang specific uh, product, you know. And so we thought that was a good idea a couple of years ago, and put that out there. I'm working it on a couple ideas for it
1: myself. I think there's
0: hey, love to hear them.
1: Yeah,
0: you guys, uh, and and that community is obviously a great source of ideas in yeah. terms of what traders are looking at
1: yeah I mean, it's amazing the three time leverage products that people want to trade. I think what they're built not to be held long term, correct? Like just as a guy on the inside, yeah. what, how do you think the average investor should look at these products purely as hedging or is there directionally smart to own these things if you really mm-hmm. believe?
0: Yeah, well, they're definitely not built as long- term hold vehicles. so um, certainly speculative or or used for hedging purposes. Uh, the average investor probably shouldn't be dealing with them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it, more for the sophisticated investor. It doesn't mean they have to be uh, institutional per se, but they, they do need to be watching their portfolio on a real-time basis and and you know using these products to express views. So the thing about them, if you think about it again, um, when you're talking about leverage, uh, you really have to talk about leverage and a time frame because otherwise your leverage ratio changes, right? Mm-hmm. If you... If you buy a house for a million dollars and you take a mortgage for 500,000, um, right, then you've got, let's say, a leverage ratio of 50%. But uh, if the price of the house goes to 900,000, then your leverage ratio is different. It's, you know, it's five ninths, right? At that point, it's, it's 55%. So when when you put together a product and you say it's a 200% leverage or 300% leverage, the next question people should say is, "Yeah, for how long?" And so the answer that the industry's come up with is for one day, huh. right? It's it's leveraged this this much for one day, and what that means is at the end of each day it needs to get rebalanced. So, uh, you know, a leveraged product um, that's three hundred percent leveraged might be you know three hundred and ten percent or two hundred and eighty percent at the end of any particular trading day, depending on how the underlying has moved. And so that needs to get rebalanced. What that means is that over time, if you come to this thing and say, well, it's January 1st, I'm gonna make a list of you know, bullish sectors that I like and, and put on a 300% leverage uh, position and, and walk away. Then at the end of the year, you, who knows what you're gonna have because those things compound every day and the price uh, patterns that you might expect Maybe nothing like what you wind up receiving just simply because um, in the parlance, it's, it's you know, path dependent. These are path dependent returns. So even if the index is up 10% at the end of the year, um, it matters how it got there, right? Uh, if it just went up in a straight line, that would be the best case scenario. If it varied around wildly and then wound up 10, up 10%, you could easily be down on a product like that. So that's the part that gets people little bit confused and they have to, uh, you know, make sure that they keep track of, but when they do and they have a good strategy, these products can work very well.
1: Yeah. I've, I have, uh, decided to learn, you know, been, been burned myself, my fault, obviously according to the courts, my fault, credit Swiss, uh, <laughs> not their fault. The, um, I've taken upon myself you to get burned to learn, you know, I get options. I like right. the idea that I can make a bet and lose. I know what I'm going to lose. You know, I was just lazy, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I think they're the, you're building products not for lazy people, but for creative people. I think they're more they're more art than science. You have to you have to mm. know how to use these tools. Like you can't give people guns. You know what I mean? These are it's no different. Mm. So I'm not as angry. Like you can't, Howard,
0: nobody said guns were going to be a part of this podcast. Oh, sorry. I, I didn't, no, <laughs> I'm
1: just kidding. I know what you're saying. The, uh, <laughs> I'm just riffing, but you know, these are, these are really creative products and I'm not as against them as I used to be. And this is coming from someone who's lost a lot of money in one trade doing it, but, mm-hmm. uh, learned a major life lesson. And uh, the game's going to continue, right? Like there's, there's smart yeah. people coming yeah. out of this industry. The brain drain out of the Barclays and all these places is huge. And the entrepreneurial spirit of the markets is expressing itself like through guys like you mm-hmm. and Rex. Do you remember the first time you panicked and had to learn your lessons?
0: Oh, man. You know what? I thought about that question. Um, and and the, the, the real answer the first time that I panicked has nothing to do with, with – finance or anything. Um but I was 16 years old and I basically um I was determined to buy a car. I'd saved up money and I was determined to to buy something. And of course it wasn't very much. Um but I went and I this was in the old days, right? So I looked in the classified ads in the newspaper or whatever it was, you know, uh used cars and I went down and uh bought this car off this guy. And As I was pulling up, he was like hosing it off, you know, Um, and uh, I said, oh, just cleaning it up here, you know, take it for a spin. I took it for a spin and it it ran okay, but it kind of sputtered a little bit. And he was like, oh, shoot, I must have got some water in the engine. Sorry about that. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I paid him I paid him my cash Uh and and took off and drove it home. And he, he probably lived 45 minutes away from where I was. And it sputtered the whole way home, and the next day it wouldn't start. <laughs> and I and I was like, I panicked because basically it was a summer worth of savings. Sure, I had handed the guy in cash. Like neither parent was with me. I barely knew this guy's name and number. I, I, so I started panicking and calling him. I was calling him and calling him and calling him, and he wouldn't answer. And he you know figured out who was and just. And that was it. I realized, basically, yeah. I've got... It was a
1: Goldman guy. My, that guy was a Goldman yeah. guy.
0: <laughs> but uh, so that was that, the a first Berkeley's time guy. I really panicked. I realized, that's oh, definitely I'm happened happen to money. all of us.
1: I liked where you went That That was a new approach on panic. And well, well worth it. I mean, that was well worth panicking. So how did you solve that?
0: You know, the, the sort of the caveat oh. emptor phrase just kind of sunk in. Like, I, I've totally. just got That was my first personal experience that you know what you better know what you're doing when you buy something and i'm a I true I'm caveat
1: emptor person yeah
0: unless I mean, there's fraud be, like right? i mean
1: i guess that guy was fraud be. and trying you know the reason I'm, I'm a caveat emptor person it's just yeah. uh we haven't done a good job at uh pruning people the and so how big is rex today
0: mm. Mm. oh we're small we're, we're a little boutique shop um We've got a few guys in, in Connecticut office and a couple in New York, um, but we specialize just in these um, these trading products. There is a since you brought it up, uh, a new business line that we've been developing on the crypto side. Tell me about uh, it. Called Osprey Funds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I got interested in crypto in uh, probably 2013, and uh, part of it was, you know, just experimental putting on a position because, you know, that encourages you to follow it.
1: Absolutely. Um, Learn by doing.
0: But, yeah, it was it was actually coming out of the crisis. I had been waiting for gold and silver to really start to take off because the government was printing so much money. Mm-hmm. It's funny, I'm having deja vu with all these thoughts now as we're in the middle of the COVID. I, I totally bought GLD. I
1: called Van Eck and I said, I'm first time ever, I own your ETF for the next <laughs> I, And I said, I'm going to just put it away for three years because textbook-wise, gold should rise <clears> for three years once we bought them.
0: You know it should, and I was sitting there waiting and accumulating a position, and and it wasn't. So I was looking around. So, anyways, I I discovered Bitcoin at that time, and um didn't do anything, didn't mix sort of uh that in with my with my work, which was building ETFs and ETNs. Even though the Winklevoss brothers, you may recall, filed for an ETF way back in 2013, which was really early days. Um. So we still don't have one. It's 2020, um, but in 2016, 17, at Rex, we started to to take it more seriously and say, well, we could see where an ETF could be possible, um, and we actually did file along with Vanek uh, for ETFs. We got the same treatment. The SEC is not ready, basically, and so we've we've launched um, basically a private fund uh, that. Uh, invest in crypto and looking to, to roll out a couple others. So, um, and that's just an expression uh, for
1: you. You look at Bitcoin as an expression that maybe gold's not perfect anymore or not never was perfect, but, uh, as an expression on a flight to unique or weird safety.
0: You know, I look at it a few different ways. One of the, um, one of the more interesting ways that I look at it and I think that people will tend to view it over time as as an uncorrelated uh, asset, right? And that's that's the holy grail people are looking for is something with, with long-term positive expected um, returns and low correlations to traditional markets. Mm-hmm. Now, we just lived through a period where it was correlated. Uh, Bitcoin sold off and it was correlated. Um, it's bounced back 60-plus percent off Mm -hmm. the lows that were set just a a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. But I think the long-term story is, you know, hey, the world's gone. I mean, whether it's, you know, me calling this guy, you know, go back to the guy that sold me the car, right? I literally would get from the grocery store the used car, you know, newspaper thing, Mm -hmm. and then, like, circle ads and call, you know, call call different people. Well, we've moved on from there, and I think it's the same. I mean, gold will always be gold. I'm not a gold hater at all. I own gold and um, believe in its, in its value in the portfolio. But it's also a, um, you know, governments are highly interested in gold. Governments have huge um, capacity to influence prices at the margin mm-hmm. using derivatives. I remember at, at times the, the stock of physical gold that was held to back um, against delivery of any of the futures contracts has at times been like uh, one five hundredth of the notional outstanding I have no idea what it is right now but I mean these are crazy numbers in the sense that you know if you're willing to put up unlimited futures sizes you can you can make sure the price of gold is is not doing things you don't want it to do um, so that's what I didn't like about gold and silver and why, why I discovered Bitcoin because I think I think Bitcoin does add value to the global um, sort of financial ecosystem and I, I suppose at this point I'm kind of a believer of the, the digital gold kind of thesis that, you know, over time the price will stabilize. It's a digital store of value and it's a way that um, that people can have some amount of value locked up in a very convenient digital form that's available to be sent around the world, you know, at any time.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm I sold on the digital gold, gold thing, but like it's people, say, Oh, gold didn't work this time. And I'm like, well, it's 10 years old. We'll be dead. But at some point in a hundred years, if yeah. Bitcoin's still around, we'll be act way differently in a panic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is that it, the weird thing about Bitcoin is it's, it's growing. Um, the interest is, is, is growing sort of uh, backwards, if I could say that. So you're, Your normal kind of progression is for a stock, say, is that first you have the founders then you have the VCs then you have private equity, then you have the investment banks uh, and then they IPO it and you have the the pension funds and all the people get the allocations. And finally, you get Joe Retail guy. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's when you worry is your your shoeshine guy is telling you what stocks to buy. Mm -hmm. But with Bitcoin, it's kind of backwards in the sense that Joe Retail got there first and uh, the institutions still haven't dipped a toe in the water. Exactly. So the, the the pyramid's inverted, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and when they finally do, there's only 21 million Bitcoin ever. And the guy had the foresight to put it out to eight decimal places. So we might be talking about millibits or megabits at some point in time. The, the price is kind of irrelevant, but um, they're not making more of the stuff. And, you know, as institutions get comfort, you know I'm in an industry where I'm seeing all the rails that are being built yep. to enable institutions to invest in this stuff. so I just sort of see the writing on the wall and um, a I believe in it personally anyways and then B I just see them you know building the the railroads and the freeways and the and the infrastructure this thing is not going away so um, yeah they'll be
1: they'll be you know I've heard the story of what well, JP Morgan can do it they can't. Bitcoin has a 10-year head start on um, yeah. brand and yeah. trust. The um, And so this panic, have you ever seen anything like it?
0: No, no. I mean, this is unbelievable. So what were you
1: watching <laughs> yeah. that, that, that told you, stand aside or get involved? What were you watching?
0: I suppose, I mean, just really the S&P, you know, is kind of the main main thing that just gives me a sense of what's going on. And I just couldn't believe some of the numbers when we're down, you know, triggering these breakers at 7% and then, and then we have a little you know up day and then down you know 10 yes. etc. I mean it's nothing like I've ever seen and back to the VIX you know the VIX hit an all-time high yeah. uh, just barely barely edged out its its 08 number yeah, 82 uh, but then yeah the, but then the the weird thing for me is that it kind of stayed there. It's like yeah, normally, it's, it yeah. it goes up there and it just you know ricochets right back down because everyone realizes, wait, this is not this is implying five six percent moves every day for the S and P or whatever whatever it is. But this time, it kind of like stayed there. I mean, yeah. it didn't stay exactly there, but it hovered in the seventies for a while. I mean, this is unprecedented. So, I'm sort of kicking myself for not having um, I don't know sort of predicted this in my own. A portfolio a bit more uh strongly because we all saw it coming from china and everything i i think for me the um the part that was uh unknowable is how much the country would just get shut down mm. as a result of this you know yeah um so it's it's pretty intense uh times can the vix uh, be
1: broken could this prove that the vix is broken or mathematically can't be broken
0: so, t- tell me what you mean by broken. Um, I
1: just heard people on the Twitter sphere saying, "Well, it doesn't work anymore because it's just staying up here," or, uh, but it really is just a mathematical expression of volatility, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it it really is. And so, I guess you know, in one way of thinking of it, the VIX can never be broken because it is simply. mathematical number that's extracted from market prices and if you believe that markets are efficient then by definition the VIX is correct Mm -hmm. but on the other hand uh the vix is always broken because it's really a predictive indicator it's it's basically what is the market forecasting that will be the case and and the reality is those those rarely line up i mean you know we don't know where the market's going to be in a month Um, But I don't think I would say that it's broken. And as a matter of fact, this whole point I made just a minute ago about it staying there, uh, staying at elevated levels for a while, um, at first blush, you might think, well, wait a second. Yeah, it is broken because it's just staying too high for too long. But then when I did a little bit of the math, it actually was predicting exactly what was happening. So there was at one point where I backed out that it was it was basically saying there would be 4% moves in the S&P every day. And and then we proceeded to have 4% moves in the S&P Got it. For, for several days.
1: And what do you see on the other side of this? VIX comes down eventually. Um, are you bullish on fintech? Are you bullish on markets in general and, and this brain drain? Or what do you see like as an investor?
0: yeah um well immediately i I would love a v-shaped recovery I don't think that's what's going to happen um i I, I think that uh, my, what I'm interested in right now is is just how much of this is going to to stay in people's psyche on a long term on a generational basis right We all know about uh you know people you know grandparents or great grandparents who lived through the depression right like that stayed with people didn't it Um, and then you kind of your world war two generation and things like that. And this isn't obviously comparable to, you know, years and years of depression, like, like we had in the late twenties and thirties or world war two or anything like that. But, you know, I've sort of been asking myself, like, what do, what do my kids feel about, you know, just social interactions with people about cleanliness, about, um, kind of how and where they spend their time as it relates to social activities going forward, does this actually just isolate us all a bit more? Um, mm-hmm. And what are the impacts on the economy? So um, overall, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm bullish. Like things are going obviously pretty well right before this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think we can sort of get back to that. In other words, um, I think the, the economy wants to get there, mm-hmm. but, I really don't know uh, what the secondary effects of this cure. You know, you hear Trump talking about we can't have the cure. You know, be worse than the disease. And uh, whilst a lot of the stuff he says is ridiculous, I do wonder about what are the effects on the economy from oh, yeah. from what's happened. I mean, it's it's going to be everybody's and models. On,
1: everybody's models will change for twenty years. You know, it's a recency yeah, bias. Everybody's yeah. going to say, but remember two thousand know, twenty, and I got a factor zero in. Yeah, so it's exactly. pretty cool. And you guys are all working from home. So it's really efficient
0: for us. It works well. We've got, uh, yeah, one guy who needs to be at the office just for, um, Trading. for a couple of things that have to happen there in person, but he's, you know, he's, uh, he's the only guy there. He's socially distanced from everybody else. Everyone else is working from home and, and it works well for us. So we're fortunate, you know, and our, and our business continues. Um, but I know there's so many people that are, you know, so impacted friends and in different industries and lots of friends in New York city, you know, and that's a bit of a Petri dish there. So they're really dealing with, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not and good. what are you
1: hearing? You're hearing that pretty bad.
0: Well, it's just here in Connecticut in the country. And, uh, you know, actually it just, my wife was saying yesterday, it kind of feels like summertime, except it's cold, mm-hmm. like the kids just stay home and, you know, go outside and, um, but in New York, our friends, I mean, everybody's like one degree of separation from somebody that, you know, has definitely tested positive and probably one and a half degrees of separation from somebody who's in the hospital. Wow. So,
1: all right. Well, I'm glad you're okay for now. The, uh, Rex shares, what's the website?
0: It's RexShares.com. R E X shares.com.
1: And, uh, the tickers are on stock. Just I'll put them out on my blog. The uh, I really appreciate uh, your insights. The um, it's really a, a, a historic kind of moment in markets. So it's weird that everybody's around talking about it too. You know, it's usually everybody's got their regular life going on, but now unfortunately those people don't have their life going on. So it's like the world's mm-hmm. kind of standing still for people who love markets because you know sports are closed. You know, boards are closed. Yeah. So it's like, this is the first time I've ever been involved in a market where I could just spend all day watching it, do my work, and everybody else is stuck on Netflix or watching the markets themselves Mm. or complaining because they just don't have a job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What a case study, right? It's a case case study. study. Yeah. Yeah. Canute's going mad. I'm watching Canute
1: going mad. It's pretty cool. And I'm just feeding into his panic. So uh, say hi to Scott and the team, and I appreciate you well, taking true. the time to uh, panic with friends.
0: Great to join you, Howard. Thanks a lot. Okay, see Talk you Graham. soon.
1: Cheers. There you go. Created. He he kind of knows how volatility works, so he was not. Uh, I think it's shaken a lot of people. Right. In what they know, but the products they're creating are going to be around forever, and so he's a great guy for me to know that like. It's fun to be able to just talk to him because I don't fully. He could explain to me seven hundred times. I learned a little bit there about how it's it's always broken but not broken. It's a predictive kind of expressive type of product, and and the markets are much much more about creativity than they are fundamentals. Especially in moments like this, there is no fundamentals. No one's seen it, so it's much more about. How are other people going to, it's a, it's a giant game. Makes so sense. people that make the products for the game are very interesting to talk to. So, uh, there goes another episode. What number was that? Uh, I think we are looking at number 34. Wow. And we're going to do a few more today. So we'll be at 40 by next week. And then I'm done. I said it was going to be 10 and we're almost at 40. I'm trying to get Mark Andreessen. So we'll see. So uh, um, So have a good weekend, everybody. Cheers from Panic with Friends.